Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire-Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back and finally back together. Uh, Will, I missed you. I it's, missed you, too. It's It's been a little crazy. We've been busy and... But we, we've had these guests lined up and we don't want to ever miss our opportunities and we have these topics lined up. So I'm right. just, I'm glad that right. we were, even though we were separate, we were able to still provide the people good stuff. And now we're back together and we have a really fantastic guest and topic today. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, before we get started, I'm going to give you all the music tip for today. And we missed and that too. Was, I want to say that because you yeah. know I don't come up with music <clears throat> tips. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we know that. We're back. <laughs> so, We're back. <laughs> We're completely back. So uh but yeah, this this music tip I found um doing some some online research and um it was basically, you know, trying to find ways again for us for music and musicians to uh to make money with their music. And um this is sort of a an offhand sort of weird way of, of doing it, but I think everybody can, can get a kick out of it. Mm. Uh, you know, the Shazam app, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. You hip to the uh, Shazam I'm app where it Shazam. picks up your song that mm-hmm. you're playing in mm-hmm. the room. Mm-hmm. Um, well, an idea that someone had was to have a Shazam listening party. <laughs> and if okay. you, uh, so you can go to a venue. Uh, well, actually, before I even go deep into that, let's, let, let me also give you the reason to do this. Yes. The reason to do this is when Shazam picks up the song, it's actually recorded as a spin. Oh, yeah. PRO. Oh, you get paid for that. I, I, I'm always exactly. I'm always very excited when I see my Shazam reports. I'm like, oh, so that's what that's exactly <laughs> the point. So what you do is have a Shazam listening party and um, you can either have a physical listening party where fans can come over um and and uh you play your song on a system of course uh and and whether it's a club or a restaurant and then people are tell them to hold up their phones and get you on Sazam and all of that will count as a play you're right so if you got a hundred hundred folks up in there all there shazamming you, you at the same time brilliant yep and then you can have people join you online yeah and Join in on the party. They can, you can have video maybe of the party, but have them put their phone up and recognize the song. So now you can actually have uh, a, a local chart, chart locally for wow. your, your song. Interesting. I never, you, you know, it's yeah. funny. I know all of that, but just didn't put it together to know all that. Yeah, no. That, yeah, okay. It was a ingenious little idea, a little yeah, MacGyver way of uh, MacGyver. getting your song on the charts. I'm a little MacGyver. <laughs> and it's, it's also, you know, important. I think with that same concept, that's why, you know, with Spotify and stuff, you know, creating those playlists and getting, you know, increasing the subscribers and all of that, that's all a part of it. You know what I mean? That all Mm -hmm. pays into it. So, because that's the world right now. But I I don't know. I think some, you know, I think maybe younger audiences or younger artists are maybe kind of, you know, kind of hip to that just because of their 
how they consume music. Yep. Yeah. And just how they consume music where I think, you know, those of us who are not millennial <laughs> and we're not used to consuming <laughs> music like the way it currently is. That's not our old habits. I don't know if we always remember that. So good, right. good tip. Good tip. Thank you. All right. All well, right, who well, do we have today? Who do we have? Well, uh, this one I've been waiting for. Yeah, I know you have. <laughs> I've been holding out for this one because this is really, I told you, I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast. This is how, where I've shifted my business yeah. and, you know, I've, you know, being playing and touring and doing all of that for years, uh, I, I sort of came up on the, this concept of sync licensing, um, just by my music being used somewhere. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, I'm actually making money from my song being used somewhere. And like, okay, I can do this on a regular <laughs> basis, you know? And actually I was making more money than I was from sales. So I was there like, okay, go. well let's do it this way then. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was waiting for this interview and this is, this is uh wonderful to have um, with us a uh, person who actually trains people and talks and actually has a blog to tell you about all the details of the sync licensing businesses mm-hmm. um, business. And his name is Michael Elsner. And we want to thank you for joining us today. Hi, Mike. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited about this. Great. Can we call you Mike? We <laughs> <You> absolutely can. <laughs> I, I just forgot he to just, ask He that, just was yes. so excited mm-hmm. to talk to you. He just said, let yeah. me just give him a nickname. Let me just give him a nickname. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, what we what we usually do um, with our our guests, we would like them to sort of tell them, tell the audience about sort of their background and how they got started in uh, the field, the line of work that they're in, the, the music uh, genre that they're in, but also sort of the background how you got into doing music as well. So if you can give sure. give us a short little story about all sure. of that, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know I grew up in upstate New York. And, uh, you know, I started playing guitar when I was uh, around 13 years old and, you know, started playing in bands, you know, probably around, you know, 15, 16. Um, And that was really my passion. Uh, Still is really. I I still love playing guitar and and playing with human beings um, (laughs) as opposed to, you know, drum machines and whatnot. But, but, you know, in in uh, in. In uh, 1998, I moved to Nashville. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a, I was in a band in New York for a number of years. We did uh, you know a bunch of recordings and had had a bit of success up there, but took it as far as we could go. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to take it to the next level. So you know, Nashville's music city, and you know, mm-hmm. figured well, that's the place to go. So I came to Nashville. Uh, in 98, in the fall of 98. And um, I was in Nashville for about four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during that time, I, that was really what I, what I call my college, my college education. Because um, <laughs> I came to town and I, I started meeting uh, some engineers and producers. And, and um, you know, at that time, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be an engineer, but that was, a, that, was, that was the way in for me, you know, to be able to hang out in right, a studio right. and learn how to, you know, record and be around session players and whatnot. And so I, you know, for about a year, year and a half or so, I worked as an assistant engineer for a particular engineer. And, uh, and then, you know... That again just wasn't really my what mm. I wanted to do. So right. I learned what I I learned a lot, and so I moved on to the next phase, and and uh, you know started playing on some sessions, was writing a lot, was you know producing some artists, and building up my own catalog of songs. 
But uh, after four and a half years of taking my songs to publishers and trying to get you know the the publishing deal and, and get my songs out there, I just mm-hmm. kept hearing no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but at the same point, uh, you know, in the in the late '90s, early 2000s, Nashville was you know it was country and like Martina yep. McBride country, mm-hmm. and that wasn't what I wrote. I wrote pop and rock songs, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. so in in the in the summer of 2003. I drove out to Los Angeles and, um, you know, I was just tired of, of, of people saying no to me in Nashville. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> went out to LA and right off the bat, I landed a gig on a TV show playing guitar. And, uh, wow. and then through that, I met some people called music supervisors. And, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, when I felt the time was right, I asked one, if I could uh, give her a CD of some songs and, uh, within a couple of weeks, she had placed one of them as a featured vocal placement on a very popular show on CBS. And that was my first mm. placement. And uh, wow. kind of like, you know, you, you know, you, you have that, that aha moment where you go, I'm making more money doing this than, <laughs> yeah. you know, than anything else. Right. And um, so, I, so I started going down that road pretty heavily starting into 2004. Hmm. And, um, you know, I wasn't looking at it as a career yet because I was still pursuing the guitar path and the artist path. I wanted to, you know, play in a mm-hmm. band. And, you know, at that point, I felt, you know, to have my songs out there, I had to have a record deal. I had to, you know, have songs on the radio and videos right, and right. tours. And um, that was still the vehicle that I that I thought had to happen um, to make that, you know, to, to realize that dream of getting, you know, millions of people to hear my music. But, um so I was having a lot of success with licensing, but I always looked at it as this is keeping me from working at Home Depot or Starbucks, <laughs> you know, and I did that for a number of years and it kept growing, kept growing. 2000 and um, very end of 2009, I uh, was working uh, with a company and, and they got the deal uh, supplying music for seasons 10 and 11 of American Idol or may oh, may have wow. been seasons 11 and 12 actually wow. um, and so starting in 2010 I wrote a lot of music for season 11 mm. of American Idol and then that opened up um, a lot of other shows that I got to write for I got to write for uh, three seasons of a show called The Sing Off which was mm-hmm. an acapella mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. and um, you know that, again it just opened up doors and in 2011 um uh, to make a long story short, in 2011, a songwriting partner and I decided we were going to start a, a company called Sonic Trimmer and focus on on film trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the you know the music that we were doing for American Idol, these tension beds, uh, we knew another guy who was doing the exact same stuff, and he was getting all that stuff on trailers. So we thought this is the same stuff. Let's just <laughs> let's just create create yeah. a trailer company, and we'll get the same stuff we're doing on on trailers. Yeah. And um, and so that's. That's that's really how that progression happened. It was a slow rise mm-hmm. because I didn't it, I didn't really look at it probably until 2011, 2012 as being okay. This is now what I'm going to do because at that point right. I was in my later 30s and um, you know I I I'd done the whole pursuing the record deal thing for a long time and yeah. and I had a great time doing it, but. But it was it was frustrating because um, you know, I had a band in L.A. for three years and we did three records, mm-hmm. and we had so much success with our songs on TV. I always joke that it's 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 our it's like my most successful failure because <laughs> we never got the deal. We met with all these record labels, we met with all these A and R guys. You know, we were really pushing that hard. Granted, it was the late 2000s, so it was during mm-hmm. you know 2008, 2009, 2010 when the industry was just you know on a crash course yeah. to the ground and. Um, 
But at the same point, we were getting so many song licenses. Mm. Right. And that's where I just had to step back and think, this is... This is kind of an anomaly, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, what I've what I've been pursuing my entire life is has has consistently not gone anywhere, and that's the record. That's the music industry pursuit. But when I tell people that you know I do licensing, they say, "Oh, you know, they, they think I work in the music." And I, I actually have to stop them. I say, "No, I actually I work in the TV industry because mm-hmm. when you're licensing your songs, your end users are working in the TV industry. So everything right. that you do, it's a slightly different process. Uh, you're delivering your music in a way that is beneficial uh, to the people who work in the TV industry, namely the music supervisors, the music editors, uh, mm-hmm. people who work in music libraries. If you're working through a library." Uh, and so the whole delivery process is completely different mm-hmm. than the music industry where you have a record and then you just get it out to your fans or you finish a song and you send it out to a publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a two-step process. And in the in the licensing industry, uh, I've discovered that it's a four-step process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a lot right there. That that's um, I, I could just you know <laughs> go. No, so Will's go, gonna want to take over this one, and I'm gonna let yeah, you. Yeah, so, I, so I, I'm I, gonna, I'm no, 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 you. no. I, I know you have a question in there, kid. Yet, so I'm gonna let you ask it now <laughs> before I take I know, over. I know. I get my one question now. No, I love that you told that you just gave us that journey through all those loops and circles because I do think. You know, our listenership is mostly of those people who are aspiring, you know, to to try to to develop and so forth. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. you you try to tell them that there's not this one straight way. And I think people kind of hear that, but they still try to go one straight way and, you know, and and not really understanding the twist and turn. So, I mean, that that's you. It was like some Forrest Gump moments. I call that Forrest (laughs) Gump where you're just kind of landing and it's like, wait a minute, but this is working, even though the other is not. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's really interesting how that how that happens, you know. And the thing is, is that that you know, although I, I joke and I say I, I kind of did fall into licensing, um, the process of it I, I didn't fall into. I was always very serious about you know making my productions the best they could be. Mm-hmm. And then I learned early, <clears throat> and that's probably what my, my what my formative years in Nashville were good for. Uh, when I was an assistant engineer, that, I, I it was the worst job in the world. I, engineering to me is the worst thing in the world. I hate every second of it but 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 the whole time i i just i learned how to be a service to the people who were employing yes right and so when i got into licensing that became my goal it was kind of the same thing when i moved to nashville i didn't know anyone when i moved to nashville from new york and so my goal wasn't to just find a gig my goal was to make friends and the same thing when i moved to la my goal wasn't to just to land a gig my goal was to make friends and and i really focused on making friends and developing relationships and a big part of that is, you know, being a service, asking people what they need and what mm-hmm. they, you know, and, and how you can help them out. And and so when I when I, you know, morphed into the licensing world and I started meeting some music supervisors and talking to them, I'd ask them, I'd ask them about their job, I'd ask them what their day is like. I, I wanted mm-hmm. to learn what what went on in, in in their day. What was their day like? And a lot of them were under immense time pressures mm-hmm. I mean it's it's an insane job and I thought well if I'm going to deliver music to them I want to make their life as easy as possible yeah. to yep. find and license my music Yeah, and 
And ultimately, I think it comes back down to that. Uh, a lot of musicians have the attitude of, of will, you, will you use my music because I'm starving and I need some money? <laughs> right. So will right. you use my music so I can yeah. make some money from you? And, yeah. and even though they don't say that, that's their mindset. And so it comes across even in their emails and even in, mm-hmm. in, their, in their dialogue with someone. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, look, just be a valuable service. Mm-hmm. If you're a valuable service to someone, they're going to come back and they're going to license music from you consistently. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. key. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's that's totally key. Go ahead, Kenny. I know no, you want to I, ask well, your I, other well, question. Well, I guess, you know, and this is me not being, you know, Will is definitely the dude with this. And, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm quite green and early and trying to really understand the process. You mentioned about it being like a kind of a four step as opposed to kind of the two step. If you right. could maybe kind of share, so for the complete novice <laughs> yeah. who was like listening and saying, you know what? Okay. All right. All right. Wait a minute. Let me. So what yeah. are those, how, what are those steps? What, what sure. do you need to do? So, so yeah, I, I break it down into four steps. My whole philosophy on licensing is consistent placements. All right. Um, getting one or two placements here and there really isn't that difficult, but you're not going to make a living at it. So, mm-hmm. so for me, it comes down to consistent placements, you know, consistent, like, you know, monthly, yearly. Uh, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And so it starts with what I call just the first step of the process. I just call it building your catalog. And building your catalog to me is like a well, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you drill a, a, a well, if you're living out on, you know, on a, on a farm somewhere, you, you drill a well, you know, down into the earth, you're trying to hit some flowing river of water under mm-hmm. the ground that's going to constantly give you water for the decades that you're going to live at that place, right? right. Uh, you're not. You don't want to go into like a little pond that has a finite <laughs> amount of water because then you're gonna right. you're gonna suck it all up in the first year and you're gonna have no water in, anymore. Right. So really, the the building your catalog is I I I look at it like a well, you know, and and part of that. Um, process to me is just writing the music that you want to write and being authentic to you. A lot of um, musicians who pursue music licensing are always chasing what's a music supervisor looking for? What do they need? What are they looking for? What style of music should I do next? Just write the music that you want to write. When you write music that's authentic to you and that you're passionate about, when you marry that to picture, mm-hmm. that authenticity and that passion is going to come across even more as opposed to if you're just trying to write mm-hmm. something because you think that that's what someone needs. That's yeah. right. So building your catalog to me is just if you want to go into your studio one day and you want to write you know, an, an acapella track. Just write an acapella track. There will be an outlet for it. Mm-hmm. And if the next right. day you want to write an R&B track, do that. And if the mm-hmm. next day you want to write a heavy metal track, <laughs> then write that. Yeah. Write what you feel because mm-hmm. there will always be an outlet for it. And uh, what I tell a lot of people who want to get into licensing, the first assignment for them is always for the next week when you're watching TV in the evening, stop watching TV. Just sit on your couch, close your eyes and listen. Mm -hmm. Listen to TV and listen through the commercials. When the commercials come, don't get up and go to the kitchen. (laughs) Sit there through the commercials, give yourself an hour and don't move. And just find any show. It doesn't have to be a show that you particularly like. Just find anything. Turn it on and listen. You will find that in that hour, you will hear so many different styles of music. Mm -hmm. And also... Depending on the show, you might hear different, uh, like different eras of music. You might hear music that goes that go back to the fifties and maybe even the forties, mm-hmm. even into the eighties. You know, so if you're thinking, oh, heavy metal, Motley Crue, yeah, there's there's still, you know, Motley Crue songs from the eighties being played on shows mm-hmm. because because they go back in time to the eighties and they, you know. 
they need some music from the 80s and they're not going to play Justin Timberlake in that, right. you know, in that segment. Right. So there's there's a lot of opportunity. You'll hear that. Uh, and that's that's the first step. I just call it building your catalog. Write freely, write passionately, and take uh, you know remove any boundaries that people have put on you as you've pursued the music industry over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just write freely. The mm-hmm. second step uh, is what I call creating valuable content. Now, this is completely different than than the music industry. Um, now, in the music industry, you finish a song, you know, if it's a vocal song, you you maybe create an instrumental version or a TV track mm-hmm. so you can, you know, sing it on a, on a morning news program. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the licensing world, uh, let's say you have a 10-song record, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you have that 10-song record. So we're going to look at just one song on that. Uh, one song, obviously, you have your full mix, but... Creating valuable content is creating all the other valuable mixes. So you're going to have the full mix. You're going to create an instrumental mix. So now you have two mixes. Okay, that's that's no big deal. But let's say that you that the core of that song is acoustic guitar and vocals, and you built all these other instruments around it. Well, you can take all those other instruments off mm-hmm. and just burn your mix of the vocals and the acoustic guitar and have the acoustic mix. Mm-hmm. You could mm-hmm. also maybe maybe on maybe that song has you know heavy you know like electric guitars and 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 B three and and slam and drums and just cool groove. Um, you could take you could take the drums and bass off and maybe there's just some some cool little you know piano line or some mm-hmm. synth line or something that's just adding some elements to it. You could take a bunch of instruments away. Um, but a little bit more than just the acoustic mix, and you can call that a stripped-down mix, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe you have acoustic guitar, piano, and tremolo guitar, and like a little B3 doing a little melody here and there. That could be your stripped-down mix. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's completely different than your full mix. And then, you know, again, maybe maybe just the drums and bass have a great groove going on. You can just do a drum and bass mix. Now, when you go back to that first step and you just listen to TV mm-hmm. for a week, you will hear a lot of things. Sometimes you'll hear just bass and drums. Yeah. So that's where your bass and drum mix would come in. So let's say you can get five mixes. You know, generally you can get a couple more, but let's say you can get five mixes out of your track. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a 10-song CD and you can get five mixes out of each track, that's 50 licensable tracks. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. But but you can go even further because uh, you can do cut-down mixes. Cut-down mixes are your 15, 30, and 60-second mixes. So you can mm-hmm. always get two or three out of every song. So now we've gone from five mixes to eight. Mm-hmm. So now your 10-song CD has become 80 licensable tracks. Yeah. Wow. And that's wow. how you start getting the consistent placements because, um, you know, maybe the full version doesn't quite work. Yeah. But maybe that acoustic version or that stripped-down version works great. So, so you got a whole and, bunch and, of tracks, Kenya. I you know. Ready to rock and I was roll. about to say I got four albums. You, so I'm exactly. like, <laughs> you ready to rock? And it's funny because <laughs> I do have certain songs that are stripped down, like that have these variety of mixes, and and yeah. but it's really been more for selfish reasons. Like, okay, when I perform. You know, for in sure. this setting, like you said, if it's TV or if it's, you know, if I need to, you know, if I'm going to have a band, but we still need, you know, the other parts of the right. instruments, all right. of that. But no, this is, yeah, you're right. That's genius. Yeah. No, I never even, th- I, yeah. I know it, but I just didn't put it in that. Yeah, space. Right. So you have that, and you have you have you can also create stems. Stems right. are really important to create. Right. Now, stems you would never use in the music industry. You'd never deliver that to someone who bought your record, right? right. But right. stems, you know, uh, um, you know, mixers, re-recording mixers. They're the guys that the term re-recording mixers. Those are the guys who record who who mix 
everything at the end of the process, the music, the dialogue, the sound design, right? Mm -hmm. They get all the deliveries from the music supervisor, from the, you know, editors and all that stuff. So they love having stems, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, it allows them to, you know, and stems are just just, um, instrument groups. So you have a drum stem, a a bass stem, a guitar stem, a vocal stem, a keyboard stem, you know, and those are when you when you put the stems together, they should sound exactly like your full mix. They have all the right. effects on them and all the automations mm-hmm. and the panning that those instruments have in the full mix. So now while those are not really licensed as separate individual tracks, um, if you deliver stems, you know, th- those will get delivered oftentimes to your re-recording mixer who, who you know, appreciates that more than just a two mix. Because the other thing, too, to keep in mind is that in music, we mix in stereo, but a lot of TV shows are in 5.1. Mm-hmm. So when you deliver stems, it gives you a re-recording mixer the ability to throw those sounds kind of around the room a little right, bit more than right. just dealing with a stereo mix. All right, right. Um, so that's that's what I call, and there there are a lot of other mixes uh, as mm-hmm. well, but uh, but that's that's the that's the gist of it. Step two is creating valuable content, mm-hmm. and it's valuable to your end users, and thus it becomes valuable to you because uh, as you can mm-hmm. see, it it dramatically increases your opportunities for placements. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Step three. Step three: once you've once you've completed your song and then you've created the valuable content. Step three to me, uh, I call mastering metadata, and this is really the most important part of the process. It's all the it's all the information that gets attached to the audio file that allows it to be easily searched, auditioned, and then licensed. You know, the the goal is if you look at if you imagine a funnel, uh, you know, music supervisors if they're looking for a particular song, they they start with a, you know, they go into their catalog of songs and they can have tens of thousands of songs, you mm-hmm. know, so that's, so throwing all those into the top of the funnel and then they're going to start typing in specific keywords that describe the mood or the mm-hmm. feel or maybe the artist that they're trying to, you know, replace, you know, maybe they can't afford a John Mayer track, so they're trying to find mm-hmm. something that's in the style of John Mayer, you know, so they'll type in John Mayer. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all the keywords and all the all the other information that's attached to the audio that will allow you to end up at the bottom of that funnel, you know, the bottom mm-hmm. of that search. Maybe they'll end up with five or six or seven songs that they're going to, you know, audition and see which one's going to be the best fit. And you want to end up at the bottom of that search in every relevant search. Mm-hmm. So metadata is the, are the keywords that you attach to your song, to your audio file, as well as a lot of other information, the publisher, the songwriters, yeah. the contact, all, all that other stuff. I've got it's a spreadsheet how you get paid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. To, to give you to give you an example of this, I, I have a spreadsheet that I fill out for every single song, and mm-hmm. it has twenty five columns. Oh wow! And I was going to say metadata. Are, that starts giving. I start feeling like you did with the sound engineering. I'm like, ah, that's just yeah. so much. But yeah, yeah. If, if metadata can get in, involved, but the thing is, is that you have to have thorough metadata. Yeah, and that's the key. Yeah. Thorough metadata. It's not hard once you have a, a system. I think anything is easy with a system, um, and and this is. Just just my system. So, uh, so the metadata process, you know, uh, thorough metadata will allow you to show up in every relevant search, and that's that's key. That's the key to consistent placements. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And if, if you copy and, that, and paste all your stuff, it's actually you know a lot easier. Easier you, if you have all of these uh, these columns already filled out. Yeah. And yeah. when you have your songs done, you just copy and paste it. So yeah. it's it's not as yeah. crazy as you think, Kenya. Well, no, it's I've not done as, it. It's not I, as I, crazy. I, have, I don't think I've had 25 columns. But, I mean, yeah, once you kind of know it, it's yeah. just not, I just don't enjoy it. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Meta, metadata. See, here's the thing, though. So metadata is probably the most boring part of the process. Okay, but but here's the catch. Here's the catch. Um, if uh, it only takes, and this is the thing, it only takes probably 15 to 20 minutes to completely fill out that spreadsheet for any one song. Now, as you're burning all your multiple versions, right? So you're going to burn, you know, eight versions of that track. You know, it's going to take you a little bit of time. So while some of those, I don't know, most most DAWs are offline uh, now, so they don't have to mm-hmm. play it all the way down like it used to. But, you know, still, back mm-hmm. in the day, you know, to burn all those versions would take like an hour, right? right. So, right. Um, so really, spending 20 minutes to me uh, on the metadata is... Is, is not that big of a deal. Now, when you have a system, again, that's the important thing. When you have a system, you go through step by step by step, and then you can get it all done in a short amount of time. If you're just floating in the wind, the metadata might take you three hours per song because right. you don't know what you're forgetting. You know what I mean? Right, right. So so the third step in the process, and, and to be clear, each step in this four-step process has multiple steps within it, right? So, right, right. you know, you know, it's obviously like building your catalog doesn't just happen. Building your catalog starts with coming up with an idea and then writing the track and then mixing it. And so there's multiple steps that go in there, right? Um, so then that's... So the third step is mastering metadata. And then the fourth step is what I just call getting your music heard. And um, and again, it has multiple steps. And this is this is where you take everything that you've done so far, and you and you again go through a process where you find music supervisors or music libraries. I I actually use I, I love music editors because mm-hmm. a lot of TV shows, a lot of reality shows actually don't have music supervisors; they just have music editors. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so you, you know, music editors can be good friends as well because if uh, if you get with a music editor who um, you know likes your stuff and, and trusts you, uh, he'll 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 he or she will will use your stuff over and over and over and over yeah. again. And that's that's again that's the key is consistency. So so the fourth step of the process is all about how to research. Um, uh, and and then deliver your music to supervisors who are currently working on shows that need music in the style of what you write. And there are there are very simple ways to find that out. There are different websites you can see uh, who's working on what shows, or you can even look up particular shows and hear the music that's being used on them, or you can type in a particular artist, like for example John Mayer, and you can uh, see what shows have been using his music recently. Mm-hmm. So the key to that is a, a big mistake that a lot of musicians make is they will just blanket music supervisors. They'll just basically send out a email, dear music supervisor, here is my <laughs> new record, you know. And and it's completely irrelevant. You know, you're going to send that out to a lot of people. A, it's not customized. But B, you don't even know what they're working on. I mean, that, that, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone wants to receive a, a, a general email like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so the fourth part of the process really is how to find out, how to research, who's looking for what, and then customize it particular to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that... To me, I think a lot of musicians, you know, get scared of that part of the process. To me, that's actually one of the most fun parts of the process because this is where you're networking and building relationships with people exactly. who will use your music over and over and right. over. Right. Yeah, that's that's really the part of the process I, I wanted to hone in on. Sure. Um, yeah, that um, that process of reaching out to either supervisors, editors, or libraries. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it it is. That, and that's what we talk about on this podcast is that networking component. Um, sure. and, and you completely touched on that, on how 
to to best reach out to people is find out what they're doing and yes. and relate to them and, and connect to them on on what it is that they're they're working on because that's how you you know build rapport. So uh, I guess if you're reaching out to um, and I, I love I love how you say reach out to editors, um, but I guess if if you could talk about uh, the best ways to reach out to editors, but also the best way to reach out to either supervisors or libraries. Sure. Uh, well, it, it all starts with an incredible website called LinkedIn. Okay. There you go. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. LinkedIn is is, and I, I'm I'm always blown away. It, it might just be the circles that I've run in over the years. I, I live in Nashville again, and I'll say things like LinkedIn to people, and and I'm amazed how many musicians have never even oh, been yeah, on. Oh yeah, they don't. They don't, don't even have it. a LinkedIn yeah. account. Yep. They don't think it's important. Yep. Yeah. That is the mecca. It is. I mean, every is. every musician should be on LinkedIn. Oh my gosh! Um, yes. So I built I built my company Sonic Trimmer starting in 2011 uh, in 2012 really purely on LinkedIn. Wow! <laughs> uh, you know, and we were starting in a whole new genre. We were starting in trailers, um, and uh, I you know we we built our 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 list of of um, of individuals who work at trailer houses, supervisors, editors. Uh, I found a lot of people who worked at various libraries who have relationships with the various trailer houses that we work with uh, all through LinkedIn. And um, mm. you just connect with them. So that's that's the that's the first place. You know, LinkedIn is a great place to get uh, find names, find people who are in that field. Um, and then beyond that, Google, you know, do some research. Uh, go look, you know, type in their name. Go see if they did an article recently. Maybe go listen to, like in this case, a podcast that someone did recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe go see some awards they've won. Right. It starts there. It starts by actually learning a little bit about them. What style, what shows have they worked on? What styles of music are they using? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a great website also called TuneFind, T-U-N-E-F-I-N-D. And TuneFind is is great. All all these, all these work in collaboration with each other. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also IMDB, you know, if if there's a particular uh, show that you watch and you're thinking, oh my gosh, my music would be great for this. Who's the supervisor? Who's the editor for this? You can go on IMDB and you can scroll down to the C music department and see who's who's in the music department there uh and then again that goes back to then google sometimes some of these people have their own websites uh it's it's ultimately it comes back to research right so it's a matter of finding the names and then putting in the time to do the research when you put in the time to do the research on someone and then you reach out to them based on that research. You've spent time learning about them, learning about their past, maybe where they went to college. Maybe mm. you have some, you know, you'll see this even on LinkedIn or even you could find them on Facebook or whatever. Um, uh, you know, you might have some mutual friends in common. You right, might have some right. mutual interests, etc. So it starts there and it starts with being personal. Finding some common ground. Hey, congratulations on on winning this award. Blah 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 blah. I just saw this. Hey, I just listened to the podcast that you were on with so and so. That was an incredible podcast. People love to be, um, you know. People want to know that their work is value and that and that yeah. right. You know, and that they, mm-hmm. Yeah, people want to be appreciated, and so it really starts there. 
Mm. And, and I mean, I can't. I, there's no secret to it. <laughs> it starts yeah. with it starts right, with research a and, special magical and being weapon, just a nice, no. genuine person <laughs> and wanting to become friends with them, yeah. not having an ulterior motive. Hey, use my music because you work on the show, and it would be great because I'm really, really hungry and I have no money to pay my rent next month. That's not right. going to get you anywhere. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, but man. unfortunately, unfortunately, that's the approach. That many musicians have, and I think that. And again, I, I was I I had this approach too. You know, I play. I was a hotshot guitar player playing in a bunch of rock bands in a small town. You know, I had a big ego for a long time, and uh, but I realized you know very quickly when I left that town and I moved to Nashville and you know and, and you get into a music city town and and uh, I learned real quick that for me to to do anything, I had to find out how I could serve the people who could possibly mm-hmm. give me a paycheck. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so even now, even even with the company I have now, and even with all the placements I've had, I'm still a service. Every time I yes. walk into my studio, even though I wa- I write music that I'm passionate about, I I know that when I'm done with that writing process, when I get done with step one, everything that I do beyond step one is now all value oriented. Now I'm being yep. a service to other people. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's um, yeah. I mean. This, this there's is so, so many golden uh, nuggets. Yeah, yeah there's so uh, many. You've you've really like yeah. broke things down really, I think nicely. And, and you know, because a lot of people are waiting for the special sauce. But when you just said at the end, you know, it's really about connection and service yeah. <laughs> and relationship, yeah. and you yeah. can't avoid it. I think people want to try to, no. you know, dummy it down or make it quick and easy, but it's it's not. So. Yeah, but also also think, love what you said in the in the beginning. In part is is being true to yourself. So it's like everything we talk about on the podcast yeah. about being true to yourself, about building relationships. Uh, that you you hit you touched on all of that, and that's you you already have the track record to the success, and it just shows you know that that that's how you you get staying power in a business, and that's how you get to where you where you've gotten in the, in the business. Yeah. It it's all relationship. You know, it doesn't matter if if you're pursuing music licensing or if you're an artist getting up on stage. You know, if you're if you're Justin Timberlake playing an arena, you're mm-hmm. still a service to the people who paid the money right. to come to see you. Yep. Right? right. So doesn't matter what you're doing in music. You're servicing people with music and you're hoping that they buy it from you in some form, right? Right. And mm-hmm. so anytime you're doing anything related to to that really, you're 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 being a service when you're playing a club and you have people paying, you know, $10 to come in and see you. You're being you're a service to those people. Right. And the, yep. and the better service you are, the more people will go over to your merch table and buy your t-shirts. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Ah, so yeah, we're 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 getting close on time, but before before we run out, I want you to uh, to well, I want you to give some things you're you're going to be involved in. I already know some of the things, but (laughs) I I want you to let let folks know what type of um, what what's the potential income that people can make from sync, sync licensing. Just just to sort of whet their appetite. <laughs> okay, well, I actually have a friend who says if he makes less than seven figures a year, he's had a bad year. Oh now, he's God. been in it a lot longer than I have, and I've never reached that point. <laughs> uh, but but he's, he's fantastic. Um, it, it's, it's, it's easily a six-figure income. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Depending on, again, and it's going to depend on a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, it, it can easily be a six-figure income depending on the quality of your music and the quality of your connections. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to boil down to. Uh, high, you know, you can get placements that are, you know, 
fifteen dollars. Uh, yep. You can easily get placements that are fifteen hundred dollars, and when you're doing you know bigger placements like trailers for films or video games, you're talking multiple five figures. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then, but then you have to keep in mind the way that this all breaks breaks out. Okay. Uh, if if I am working directly with a music supervisor and I'm administering my catalog myself, I get to keep a hundred percent of it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a lot of work. Yeah. And so uh, the the. Um, you know, and I did that for a long time, and then I, I uh, with my company, I handed my company over to a company that administers our work, mm. and usually those are fifty-fifty deals. If you can negotiate better, we were able to get, negotiate a little bit better than that because we had a track record. But generally, you're looking at like fifty-fifty deals. So if you gross in your licenses a hundred thousand dollars a year, working through another company that has an entire staff that every day they're working music, they're getting requests from supervisors and from editors and from production companies and then they're finding what works in their catalog and they're sending stuff out that's more mm-hmm. work than what you could do uh you know if, if, if you get uh, if you have a hundred thousand dollars that that your catalog grosses then you're going to walk home with fifty thousand dollars out of that yeah. uh right. that's definitely not um not you know uh, uh that's definitely not a uh, out of this world figure by any means mm-hmm. um but again, it comes down to consistent placements. Yeah. And I think the thing that most musicians do, and the reason why I started doing what I'm doing, which is showing musicians how to do this, is because <clears throat> excuse me, I got so sick and tired of going to conferences mm-hmm. and watching these one-hour supervisor panels talking about licensing, and all they did was talk about what it was. Yeah. Right. No one talked about how to do it. Yeah. And finally, I was like, everyone wants to know how to do it. And uh, this is this is what's worked for me. There are other people who who teach music licensing, and they have processes that's worked for them. But for me, it all comes down to processes. It, yeah. yep. If you have a system in place, you know McDonald's has built an incredible business <laughs> based on based on a bunch of teenagers running the the, the show because they all follow systems. Yeah. You know, you yes, go sir. walk into any McDonald's anywhere in the world, and it's the same thing because it's a system. And when you put a system in place, whether it's being an artist or whether it's music licensing. Uh, if you put a system in place, I, I feel like it's hard for you not to succeed. But yeah, you could easily make it a full-time living, mm-hmm. but it's going to depend on the quality of your relationships, and you just have to have good quality music. Right, awesome. exactly. Well, well I, I mean, I would yeah, love for you. Thing. I mean, we're yeah, we're going to have to bring Michael back because there's because yes, I so have I a lot of questions. <laughs> like, I think as a singer, you know, who maybe isn't the one you know i i would have to link i guess always with someone who i could kind of co-write and kind of you know get all of the in building that catalog like i'm a i'm a songwriter but i'm i'm not necessarily a music composer and and all that so then you have to kind of and there are a lot of singers out there who you know sing and they also will write their songs but they may not necessarily be into the other part of the productions of the song um but that's another that's our next that's our next podcast (laughs) okay (laughs) but what i would what i and i we're really serious about that we have to bring you back because there's a lot we're gonna have to have you back this is a really common common question is hearing from people how do i get my music placed you know there's some really cool tv shows and netflix movies and you know hbo and cable all these great shows that have very you know that are definitely introducing a lot of independent artists And artists yeah. want to get in that lane. And so, you know, it's really important, you know, what you've given. So if you could share as we kind of wrap up um, how you, like you said, you have a whole company in many ways. You're also educating artists. So if artists want to contact you or want to be able to do this, you know, learn more from you, what's the best sure. way? Yeah. 
Yeah, so last year I created a, a website called Master Music Licensing. Because if, if you go and you learn the, the stuff, you can become a master of music licensing. I figured that's easy to remember, right? <laughs> um, you can go to Master Music Licensing. I, have a, I, I, wrote, I wrote a book called The Four-Step Plan to Licensing Success. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we touched on the four steps, but obviously the book goes more in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a free ebook. You can download it on the website. It'll mm-hmm. take you about 45 minutes to read. It's not some 200-page book. Okay? Okay. I, there's no fluff. It's just, <laughs> right. it's just all, all the goods. Um, it gives you a great outline and a great system to start putting into place mm-hmm. um so you can go to the website you can download that and then i have a blogs uh mm-hmm. i post a new blog about every week mm-hmm. um and it's usually pretty uh it's all detailed about licensing information um across a you know quite a, a wide range of information regarding licensing and then a couple times a year i open enrollment for a course that i have called master music licensing um and what's really exciting is is the people who i i started that last um uh, in in october of 2018 so mm-hmm. it's it's as of this recording it's only been about six months but mm-hmm. it's really exciting to see now the people who went through that course back and starting in october to see the the placements that they're getting and mm-hmm. and the licenses that they're getting and the difference is it's like because they're putting a system in place that's yeah. really what it comes down to when you when you follow a system uh systems work um and yeah. so in six months you know they're starting to get their their songs you know featured on shows and whatnot and that's very exciting um you mm. know uh to to see everyone so excited to finally get their music out after working so hard but i will I, if i can go back and and, and answer what you just mm-hmm. said earlier before you asked me that question mm-hmm. the one thing to any artist who's who's listening to this um who wants to get into licensing the the biggest thing to keep in mind is that this is the TV industry, you know, mm-hmm. and the reason why a lot of musicians fail is because they approach licensing the same way they approach the music industry. They finish their song and then they send it out mm-hmm. and they've skipped steps two and three, creating the valuable content and adding the metadata. And without those, mm-hmm. well, definitely without the metadata, you're going to get you know, your stuff's never going to get heard. But mm-hmm. without the valuable content, you're missing out on a lot of other placement opportunities. And so the mm-hmm. really the goal to get to that six figure uh, income um, um, or gross is uh, is consistent placements. That's what mm. you want. You want every year, you know, a hundred placements at least coming in. Mm. So it's very possible. It's not hard. It's really not that hard. But mm. you just got to follow a different system than what you're used to. Right. What's awesome. the conference that you're going to be uh, a part of? I, I've got the oh, email on that one. Uh, the, oh, oh, the conference. It's it's actually going on this week. Um, it's uh, it's. It's oh gosh! It's an online conference. It's an online right. summit called the um, oh gosh! You you hit me right now, and I I'm, I drew a blank <laughs> on it. It's the the modern musician. It's the modern. It's 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 through modern musician. It's mm-hmm. um I think it's it's the. Oh gosh, I forgot the name. I forgot the actual I, specific name I of the ha- conference. But yeah, it's through I, modern I got musician. the email on it. I, what I'll do okay. is I'll post it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, sure. But yeah, there's and, and I read it. There's a um, and I signed up for it. Actually, I was. Oh cool. Uh, I don't, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna see if I can. It's it's an online conference basically. So, so now, yeah, uh, yeah. That, there's there's a, there's a lot of online conferences that are happening now, which are great because you know you can watch them during the conference, but uh, afterwards, you know, for a very small fee, you can get all the videos, and it costs a fraction of what going to an actual yeah. conference is, and you have all these incredible speakers. The, the online world is absolutely amazing. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, it's, the, it's the SWM Virtual Music Conference. SWM. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, modern musician. Yep. Yes. Well, definitely so, we'll yeah. include that in the show notes and we'll also include your um social media. I don't know you I know you said LinkedIn was 
you know, such a huge one. And I don't know if you have a preference of people following you. If if if, if anyone wants to just hear, I, I post on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big social media guy, uh, <laughs> but uh, I post on my Instagram through the week. I post different songs that have gotten placed. Oh, nice. I use that as a great example for musicians to kind of come and see like, oh, wow, okay, that song got placed on this TV show about home renovation and that show got placed. That's, mm-hmm. that's the type of song that got used on this type of show. So I, I've been placing, I've been posting those songs just as an example for musicians to get an idea of, of the wide variety of music that can get placed yeah. out of just one catalog. Yeah. 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 Awesome. I learned a See? heck of a lot. I learned yeah. a Great. lot. <laughs> Great. That's a the goal. A lot, a lot. And I, I coach other artists. And like I said, this is a, such a common question. And I always feel a little like, I kind of know some parts of this, but not a lot. But this is yeah. so helpful. And, um, you know, we'll definitely have to bring you back so that, Great. you know, we can dig in. And we're, you know, even have people because we get so many questions about this you know have them submit their questions and kind of do almost a Q&A so that you can I would love to do yeah, that be able to dig in more so sure ah. perfect all right William well, thank, thank you so much yeah, yeah. We're, we're 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 closing out for the year we're almost at the uh, the end for our summer yeah we're taking so, a summer um, break listeners yep we do yes, have we lives <laughs> yep we have lives um, but so. I'm so glad we're getting guests like Michael and we've got two more two more podcasts before yeah. we um we'll take our break and i think we're going to end the the season with a bang because they're they're really mm-hmm. good one one person we're bringing back doing a part two and the other person is just da 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 secret yeah <laughs> dun, we'll wait dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. but anyway <laughs> but thank you michael we will be in touch you guys make sure you read the show notes because he gave so many goodies that will be included in that um replay this episode please replay it write your notes because um you know this is as you just said and with music shifting so much i think it's important for people to learn the different other ways that they can you know can have this thing in music so, absolutely yeah. yeah it's the future Yep, it is. It really is. Listen, there's over 500 TV shows currently in production. Oh my god! There's oh. an abundance of opportunities in life. It's, it's going to get even crazier. Yeah, with all yeah. the Netflix, Hulu with, stuff. Yeah, yeah with all these. Yeah, other networks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. everyone, have a wonderful week, and we will be back next week. Yep. Talk to y'all later. All right. Bye. bye. Thank you for listening. And we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please leave us a comment on our page. If you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at info at creating or DRW Smith at making money in the music biz biz.com. If you would like to schedule a consultation session with creating crimson, you can fill out the contact form at the bottom of the website at creatingcrimson.com. If you would like registration services for your music project, you can visit makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com and go to the registration services page. Please fill out the contact form and we will get back with you promptly. If you are interested in advertising on our podcast, please send us an email at drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com.